This is the Bible in one year, day 211. How to be a good citizen. Politicians. How do we treat them? Governments and local councils. How do we view them? Taxes. Do we really need to pay them? What about evil regimes? If you live under a Hitler or Stalin, are you supposed to obey them? Be a good citizen, writes the Apostle Paul. All governments are under God, insofar as there is peace and order, it's God's order. So live responsibly as a citizen. If you're irresponsible to the state, then you're irresponsible with God, and God will hold you responsible. Duly constituted authorities are only a threat if you're trying to get by with something. Decent citizens should have nothing to fear. This would have been a radical idea to Paul's original readers. In the ancient world, most people saw religion and government as intertwined. The early church was still adjusting to the idea that the Messiah was not going to rule over his people in an earthly government. Those around them would have worshipped Rome and the emperor as God. Yet here Paul tells them to follow Jesus as their king and still submit to Roman authority. Paul's teaching in Romans 13 needs to be balanced by Revelation 13. Revelation 13 was written at the time of the persecution of Christians under the emperor Domitian. The state is seen as the ally of the devil, pictured as a red dragon, who has given his authority to the persecuting state, pictured as a monster emerging out of the sea. At worst, government can be demonic. Both Romans 13 and Revelation 13 are true. There is good government and there is bad government. There's a good side to human government, but there can also be an evil side. As Oscar Kuhlman remarks, According to whether the state remains within its limits or transgresses them, the Christian will describe it as the servant of God or as the instrument of the devil. How then can you live as a good citizen? From Psalm 89 But you have rejected, you have spurned, you have been very angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruins. All who pass by have plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. Indeed, you have turned back the edge of his sword and have not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth, and you have covered him with a mantle of shame. Pray for those in authority. Israel was a theocracy. Church and state were inextricably intertwined. The anointed leader of God's people was also the one who wore the crown and sat on the throne. The kings in the Old Testament were regarded as anointed by God. Yet many of them sinned and were unfaithful to the Lord. The psalmist writes, But you have rejected, you have spurned, you've been very angry with your anointed one. You've renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. Lord, I pray for our government and all the other leaders of our nation. May they never be covered with shame. May they govern well and wisely. New Testament from Romans 13 Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority 
is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Enjoy freedom under authority. We live in the period between the first and second comings of Jesus. When Jesus returns, he will rule and reign forever. There will be no need for human government. In the meantime, however, we do need human government. The authority of governments is properly seen in St. Peter's phrase as a human authority. This does not mean that humans devised it in independence or isolation from God. Rather, it is an institution implicit in human social existence as God made it. Yet, since it is God who sets the terms, St. Paul writes that everyone must submit themselves to the governing authorities. If this applies to secular authority, how much more does it apply to the authority of the church? Different churches have different structures of authority. In my experience, submitting to the authority of the leaders of our church is not always easy, but brings great freedom. This is the basic New Testament principle. You should obey every authority, the government, local authorities, and the institutions you find yourself in. Why? First, you do so because they are part of the authority that is instituted by God. Second, you do so because the consequences of not obeying them but if you're breaking the rules right and left, watch out. The police aren't there to be admired in their uniforms. God also has an interest in keeping order and he uses them to do it. Third, because of conscience. 
If you're not obeying the authorities, you cannot live with a clear conscience. That's why you must live responsibly, not just to avoid punishment, but also because it's the right way to live. We see here a clear distinction between personal morality and the enforcement of law by government. In the field of personal morality, Paul's teaching is very similar to that of Jesus. It's one of non-retaliation and turning the other cheek. However, he moves from there to discuss governing authorities. He speaks of rulers as God's servants to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. The state is concerned with the protection of others. To stand by and allow murder and violence would be unloving and unchristian. By analogy, if it is right for the authorities to use force to protect citizens against internal threats, arguably it's equally right to protect them from external ones by force, if necessary. In practice, of course, it is often extremely difficult to work out when such force is justified. What is less controversial is that we should pay what we owe. This means paying every penny of tax that you owe and all of your bills as soon as they arrive. Give everyone what you owe. Let no debt remain outstanding. It's not wrong to have a planned and manageable debt, mortgage, student loan or credit card. However, we are to mindfully avoid being in unplanned or unmanageable debt. If you find yourself in debt, it's important not to ignore it and to get help as soon as possible. For example, from one of the many Christian debt advice services. The way to fulfill the law is by loving your neighbor as yourself. When you love others, you complete what the law has been after all along. If we do this, we will not steal because of the unhappiness of the person from whom we steal. We will not kill or even have the wrong kind of anger because of the hurt it will bring to others. We will not commit adultery because of the damage it does to marriage and relationships. The law code, don't sleep with another person's spouse, don't take someone's life, don't take what isn't yours, don't always be wanting what you don't have, and any other don't you can think of finally adds up to this. Love other people as well as you do yourself. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add up everything in the law code, the sum total is love. The law is summed up and fulfilled by love. Love is not an excuse for breaking the commandments, but a way of keeping them. The commands were given out of love for us and are fulfilled by love. Paul does not write, if you love, you do not need to obey the commands. Rather, he says, if you love, you will fulfill the commands. Jesus is the supreme example of love. Paul says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that the character of Jesus, his love, will surround and protect you and be seen by the people you meet today. Lord, I want to clothe myself with the Lord Jesus Christ and not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. May the love of Jesus be seen in me today. Old Testament from 1 Chronicles 7-9 The Sons of Issachar Tola, Pua, Jeshub and Shimron, four in all. The sons of Tola, Azai, Raphiah, Jeriel, Jamei, Ibsam, and Samuel, heads of their families. During the reign of David, the descendants of Tola listed as fighting men in their genealogy numbered 22,600. The son of Azai, Israhiah. The sons of Israhiah, 
Michal, Obadiah, Joel, and Ishiah. All five of them were chiefs. According to their family genealogy, they had 36,000 men ready for battle, for they had many wives and children. The relatives who were fighting men belonging to all the clans of Issachar, as listed in their genealogy, were 87,000 in all. Three sons of Benjamin, Bela, Bika, and Jediel. The sons of Bela, Esbon, Azai, Aziel, Jeremoth, and Irai, heads of families, five in all. Their genealogical record listed 22,034 fighting men. The sons of Bika, Zemira, Joash, Eliza, Elioenai, Omri, Jeremoth, Abijah, Anathoth, and Elameth. All these were the sons of Bika. Their genealogical record listed the heads of families and 20,200 fighting men. The son of Jediel, Bilhan. The sons of Bilhan, Jeush, Benjamin, Ehud, Kenayana, Zithan, Tarshish, and Ahishiah. All these sons of Jediel were heads of families. There were 17,200 fighting men ready to go out to war. The Shapites and Hapites were the descendants of Ur, and the Hushites the descendants of Ahur. The sons of Naphtali. Yaziel, Gunai, Jeza, and Shilem, the descendants of Bilha. The descendants of Manasseh, Azriel, was his descendant through his Aramean concubine. She gave birth to Maker, the father of Gilead. Maker took a wife from among the Hapites and Shapites. His sister's name was Maacah. Another descendant was named Zelophehad, who had only daughters. Makia's wife, Maacah, gave birth to a son and named him Piresh. His brother was named Shiresh, and his sons were Ulam and Rechem. The son of Ulam, Bidan. These were the sons of Gilead, son of Makia, the son of Manasseh. His sister, Hamolegeth, gave birth to Ishod, Apaiza, and Mala. The sons of Shemida were Ahayan, Shechem, Likai, and Anayam. The descendants of Ephraim, Shuthila, Bered, his son, Tehath, his son, Eliada, his son, Tehath, his son, Zebad, his son, and Shuthila, his son. Ezer and Eliad were killed by the native-born men of Gath when they went down to seize their livestock. Their father Ephraim mourned for them many days, and his relatives came to comfort him. Then he made love to his wife again, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. He named him Bariah, because there had been misfortune in his family. His daughter was Shirah, who built lower and upper Beth-Horan, as well as Azan Shirah. Repha was his son, Reshef his son, Tila his son, Tehan his son, Ladan his son, Amihud his son, Elishama his son, Nun his son, and Joshua his son. Their lands and settlements included Bethel and its surrounding villages, Neoran to the east, Giza and its villages to the west, and Shechem and its villages, all the way to Eya and its villages. Along the borders of Manasseh were Bethshan, Teanach, Megiddo, and Dor, 
together with their villages. The descendants of Joseph, son of Israel, lived in these towns. The sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvai, and Bariah. Their sister was Sira. The sons of Bariah, Heba and Malkiel, who was the father of Bezaith. Heba was the father of Japhlet, Shoma, and Hotham, and their sister Shua. The sons of Japhlet, Pesach, Bimhal, and Ashvath. These were Japhlet's sons. The sons of Shoma, Ahai, Rogar, Haba, and Aram. The sons of his brother Helam, Zophar, Imna, Shilesh, and Amal. The sons of Zophar, Siwa, Hanafeh, Shual, Birai, Imra, Biza, Hod, Shama, Shilsha, Ethran, and Beira. The sons of Jetha, Jephune, Pispa, and Era. The sons of Allah, Era, Haniel, and Ritzia. All these were descendants of Asia, heads of families, choice men, brave warriors, and outstanding leaders. The number of men ready for battle, as listed in their genealogy, was 26,000. 1 Chronicles chapter 8 Benjamin was the father of Bela, his firstborn, Ashbel, the second son, Ahara, the third, Nohar, the fourth, and Rephah, the fifth. The sons of Bela were Ada, Jira, Abihud, Abishua, Naaman, Ahoah, Jira, Shephufan, and Huram. These were the descendants of Ehud, who were heads of families of those living in Jeba and were deported to Manahath. Naaman, Ahijah, and Jira, who deported them, and who was the father of Azza and Ahihud. Sons were born to Shehareim in Moab after he had divorced his wives, Yushim and Bera. By his wife Hodesh, he had Jobab, Zibia, Misha, Malcolm, Jeoz, Sekiah, and Murma. These were his sons, heads of families. By Hushim, he had Abitab and Elpeal. The sons of Elpeal, Eba, Misham, Shemed, who built Ono and Lod with its surrounding villages, and Bariah and Shema, who were heads of families of those living in Ajalon and who drove out the inhabitants of Gath. Ahio, Sheshak, Jeremoth, Zebediah, Arad, Ida, Michael, Ishpa, and Johar were the sons of Bariah. Zebediah, Meshalem, Hizkai, Heber, Ishmarai, Isliah, and Jobab were the sons of Elpeel. Jakim, Zikrai, Zabdai, Elienai, Zilathai, Eliel, Ediah, Bariah, and Shimra were the sons of Shimei. Ishpan, Eba, Eliel, Abdon, Zikrai, Hanan, Hananiah, Elam, Anthothijah, Iftiah, and Penuel were the sons of Sheshak. Shamshurai, Shehariah, Ataliah, Jarashiah, Elijah, and Zikrai were the sons of Jeroham. All these were heads of families, chiefs as listed in their genealogy, and they lived in Jerusalem. Jeiel, the father of Gibeon lived in Gibeon. His wife's name was Maacah, and his firstborn son was Abdon, followed by Zua, Kish, Baal, Ner, Nadab, 
Jedor, Ahio, Zika, and Mikloth, who was the father of Shimea. They too lived near their relatives in Jerusalem. Ner was the father of Kish, Kish the father of Saul, and Saul the father of Jonathan, Malkishua, Abinadab, and Eshbaal. The son of Jonathan, Meribbaal, who was the father of Micah. The sons of Micah, Python, Melech, Teria, and Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Jehoiada. Jehoiada was the father of Alamath, Asmaveth, and Zimri, and Zimri was the father of Mosar. Mosar was the father of Biniah, Raphah was his son, Eliezer his son, and Azel his son. Azel had six sons, and these were their names. Azraikam, Bokoru, Ishmael, Shiriah, Obadiah, and Hanan. All these were the sons of Azel. The sons of his brother, Eshek, Ulam his firstborn, Jeush the second son, and Eliphalet the third. The sons of Ulam were brave warriors who could handle the bow. They had many sons and grandsons, a hundred and fifty in all. All these were the descendants of Benjamin. 1 Chronicles chapter 9 All Israel was listed in the genealogies in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. They were taken captive to Babylon because of their unfaithfulness. Be aware of the limits of authority. As we look around the world today, we see good and bad leadership and government. The people of Israel had their share of bad government too. As the chronicler concludes his lists and genealogies, he writes, This is the complete family tree of, for all Israel, recorded in the royal annals of the kings of Israel and Judah at the time they were exiles to Babylon because of their unbelieving and disobedient lives. In his list, he mentions Saul, Kish, the father of Saul, and Saul, the father of Jonathan, whom he will later highlight as an example of someone who started out as a good governor but ended up as a bad one. Saul became an example of the kind of government that is spoken about in Revelation 13. Nevertheless, David sought as far as he possibly could to remain loyal and subject to his authority. Lord, help me to live as a good citizen with the right attitude to all those who you put in authority over me. Help me to submit with good grace even when I disagree. Help us also to have the wisdom to know when the limits have been reached. Pepper adds, In Romans 13 verse 12 in the Message Version, it says, Be up and awake to what God is doing.